morning. How are you, family? It's Easter week. And let me put that in perspective for you. Um, This morning as you were being prayed for and as we were preparing for the service, um, I'm reminded that literally it was a year ago that we were closed down. I mean, a year ago in a couple of weeks, but I remember um, this Sunday, the Sunday prior to Easter, which um, for many of you historically and in your tradition of faith, um, you will call it Palm Sunday, and therefore the Sunday before Easter is a significant Sunday for you. Well, we were in the midst last year of a shutdown of learning how to go digital, and I can remember, and we were reminded this morning as a staff that like last year, in spite of the battles that we were facing both in the world and the battles that came against all of us as people that are personal perhaps and private that you were battling things and forces that were unseen and unheard. In the midst of all of that, as we gave our best to try to reach out to you, our Calvary family, um, this Sunday presentation last year was a total disaster. I mean, I can remember, uh, you know, learning um, how to go online exclusively, how to try to stream, knowing that we had limited capacity, uh, limited technology, that we needed upgrades on a lot of different things, and, and we were making progress. But I can remember one year ago, it was like, gosh, for all that we're battling, for all that we're trying to overcome, for all that we're facing, not only here at this church, but people at large, you as our family extended um, in all of these things, gosh, your best efforts just didn't seem to be enough. And then you fast forward one year. You fast forward one year, and and this morning, many of you, you are here to gather on this first Sunday prior to Easter week, right? The week that we remember all of the things that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, You're here with us online, at least I hope you are, right? Because right now they're not giving me the sign that we've glitched out. No, you're here with us, and we've, we've made every stride that we possibly can, every effort that we possibly can to overcome. Are you overcomers in the room and online today? Yeah. We've made everything we can because... Because our stories are not just told in a week. Our stories are not just told in a year. Our stories, the story of life, they're not just told in three or four years. They're not just told in a decade. The stories of our lives are not just told up until our 40s or 50s. The story of our lives are a beautiful collage and paid of pages and chapters of wins and losses, but overall overcoming because of what this week means to us. The stories of our lives, the best stories of our lives, they are written because of Jesus. They are not written because of weeks of challenge or years of challenge, but they are written as Jesus enters into the temple of your heart And as you begin to encounter him and worship him and he begins to change your life over generations, that's a beautiful story. And that's the story of your life. And I'm reminded of that this morning on what we might historically call a Palm Sunday. The Sunday prior to the passion of our Lord Jesus. That Palm Sunday. And and as I meditated on what a week looks like, what a year looks like, what four years, what ten years, what a lifetime looks like. I realized that to encounter God in the midst of your life. 
to encounter him and begin to worship him the right way. That is what must be woven through all of the moments and chapters that we live. That is what allows us to be the overcomers that God has created us to be. And it's important to know that because if you take a week of life, then you would take starting today up through Friday in the life of Jesus and it wouldn't look victorious at all. If you took just a week of life and you looked at Jesus, you would say, not much of a savior. What do I mean by that? Well, this is what you and I don't want to be as followers of Jesus. You see, on the Palm Sunday, um, which, by the way, I mean, I remember the traditions. And, and boy, we wanted to have the Sunday before Easter as a celebration Sunday. And let's, let's bring Palm branches into church. Some of you may remember that, right? And let's, let's bring banners into church. Some of you may remember that because that was part of your tradition. And it, and it was signifying the importance of the Sunday prior to Easter, right? Um, but the crowd... The same crowd of which I regret to say that at times perhaps I'm a part of, and so are you, that would say on one day, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Here he comes, he's marching in, and we lay down branches before him. By Friday, we're yelling, crucify him. I mean, sometimes as real people, we don't even make it to Friday. We much less make it out of the doors of the church on Sunday before uh, our flesh kicks in, right? And we begin to turn from glory to God in the highest to crucify him. Crucify him in my life. Um, crucify him in my actions because I don't want to associate with him. And, and, and I know that you would say, oh, Lord, not I. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise the Lord and glorify the Lord and hosanna in the highest every day of my life. Yeah, Peter said that too. Oh, and so did the other 11. I mean, they were all with him on this day of the week. And they were all gone by Friday. So as I think about what an encounter with God looks like, on this day, I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish the journey that we've been on through Exodus with the life of Moses. I want you to get your Bibles and you're going to turn to the last chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 40. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you that when we jump into this passage and we begin to read it, um, you're going to get bored. <laughs> wow, thanks for setting that up the right way, Pastor. No, you're, you're going to get bored when you begin to read it. Why? Because there's a lot of details in the last chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 40. But by the time we're done reading and the time we're done talking about what it means to encounter God, if you grasp why this moment, even on a Sunday prior to Easter, is so important for us to encounter God the right way, you will walk out of here not crucifying him by Friday. You'll walk out of here wanting to encounter God all the time in your life because the gathering of God's people to encounter God, it's very, very important. And if we're not careful, those gatherings can become emotional moments. Do you know what crowds do? They follow their emotions. They follow those around them. They follow trends. They follow new things that perhaps um, seem like they are good. And yet emotionally, when the emotion and the frenzy runs out, the substance is gone too. 
And the challenge for most of us is in our encounter with God, we lack substance. We lack the details that are the anchors for who we really are as children of God. And not just individually. You see, the Palm Sunday was a crowd moment. And I want, to, I want you to see something today. Crowd moments in your faith are a part of Christian history. Gathering together, as we've learned throughout a pandemic, by the way, it is essential that we gather as the church. I mean, you can see not only what a pandemic has done to shut down gatherings, but you can also see how different groups with different agendas can use that to shut down gatherings of all types. Not just your favorite ones that you would spend a lot of money to go to for recreation or entertainment, but even the ones that are most vital to a fourth part of who you are, your soul. Even that has been used to shut down gatherings. There's something about being isolated as an individual. There's something about being separated to discover your substance that then allows you, when you gather back together with the right kind of people, with them, to encounter and to celebrate God the right way. And Exodus chapter 40 gives us a key. A key to how we can celebrate this week the right way. To avoid just gathering with a crowd with emotion and frenzy because that's what the crowd is doing in the moment and everybody jumps in. And then to be out of the crowd and follow the crowd down a wrong path just five days later. No, Exodus chapter 40 gives you some substance. And as we've journeyed through Moses and his encounter with God, there's some substance to who he was. His story wasn't told in a week or a year or 40 years, but over a lifetime. And in moments like this, you begin to see why it matters that we encounter God the right way. And quite frankly, today we're going to talk about how to do it this week. How to do it in preparation for all that's happening this upcoming week. Because this is the week that is... That moment for believers around the world to focus on Jesus, the Son of God, and what he's done for us. Exodus chapter 40, you have your Bibles. I'm going to begin in verse 16 as we read together. And I'm going to ask you to follow along intently to pay attention. So um, for those of you in the room, I know that you're going to be able to do that. For those of you at home or tuning in right now, you might need your coffee. I understand that. So take a big sip, right? Get ready because I don't want you to miss how God will use this passage to increase your encounter with him. Verse 16 of Exodus chapter 40. So Moses did these things. What did he do? The things that God had told him to do. We're going to discuss those in just a moment. But you get a glimpse. He did these things according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And so he did. Now in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle and laid its bases and set up its boards and inserted its bars and erected its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and he put the covering of the tent on top of it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he took the testimony and put it into the ark and attached the poles to the ark. And he put the atoning cover on top of the ark. 
Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle. And he set up a veil for the covering. And he screened off the ark of the testimony, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He also put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside of the veil. And he set the arrangement of bread in order on it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle. And he lighted the lamps before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the veil, and he burned fragrant incense on it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he set up the curtain for the doorway of the tabernacle, and he set the altar of burnt offering in front of the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And he offered on it the burnt offering and the meal offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and he put water in it for washing. And from it, Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. And when they entered the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he erected the courtyard all around the tabernacle and the altar, and he hung up the curtain for the gate of the courtyard, so Moses finished the work. Then, then, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel, the children of God, would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night. And that happened in the sight of all the house of Israel. This passage this morning is a fitting conclusion to this portion of our encounter series because this passion this morning, this passage this morning shows everything about why this week matters for you and I. This passage shows the setup for what it means to worship. And what you'll see as we discuss and break this down today is that gathering together for worship for the people of God at a time and place was always essential. Gathering together to meet with God, to experience the glory of God, the fire of God, to receive the direction of God, that has always, always, always been important for the sons of Israel, the children of God, which include you and I today. It's always been there. If you're taking notes, your life lesson, you want to write this down. I'm going to give you a few things in a moment. But this is important when I think about my encounter with God. It's important for you. It's important for me. It's important for us as the children of God to realize this. The gathering of God's people. The gathering of God's people. It provides the time and the place for us to intentionally encounter him. The gathering of God's people. 
It provides for you and I the time and the place for us to intentionally encounter him. And the gathering of God's people together at moments, times, places has always been essential for them. Now, I'm not just going to rehash one part of our essential series that we talked about in the early season of life as we walk through the last year and the challenges thereof. But I am going to talk to you about the reality today that gathering together to encounter God has always been a part of the church, the people of God, the meeting of God. And one of the things this morning... As you begin to think about this upcoming week, because we get to gather this upcoming week. Wednesday night is digital, I get it, but then Friday evening we get to participate with generations of church people gone before us and generations of Christians that will come after us. We get to participate Friday night in communion, the Lord's Supper together. That's a gathering moment, a time and a place for you to encounter God in a very personal way. And then we move into Sunday, and we know what Easter Sunday means because anybody can die, but not anybody can just take their life back up on behalf of the world. Jesus can. And so we will celebrate that next week. Jesus did that for you and I. But it all goes back to what you and I just read. See, this wasn't something just made up in a modern generation. It wasn't something just made up when Jesus was alive. It wasn't something that was just made up when the prophets proclaimed the truth of God's word to the people of God in past generations. It wasn't just made up by King David when he led God's people to become one of the greatest nations on the planet at that time. And he wrote such poetry and beautiful songs of praise to the Lord. It wasn't just made up. What we do this week, it tracks all the way back to a man who encountered God. And who received from God instructions on how to build a place where people could come and gather to experience the glory and the presence of God. It tracks all the way back to a tabernacle. And to tabernacle with God. To do what? To tabernacle with God means to dwell with God, to be in the dwelling of God, and to find moments that are intentional, that are not isolated, that are not separated, and that are not out alone in whatever your favorite place of excuse to be away from church may be. Yes, I just said it, and I hope it hurts your feelings. Because to be a part of the people of God requires... That you intentionally and deliberately of time and place set aside a moment to tabernacle with the people of God. To experience the power of God. To hear the word of God. To receive the direction of God. And to know that it is his glory that fills the room. That fills your life. And it is his fire that ignites your soul that gives you a reason to live. That gives you a reason to fight. That gives you a reason to push forward in this world. It was a tabernacle moment. And this was a reflection of Moses' encounter with God. Here's what happens before Exodus chapter 40. I told you you would get bored, right? Because we read about poles and beams and pillars and coverings and altars and lampstands and incense burning issues and all of these things we read about. Well, then you don't really want to read all of the chapters before <laughs> 
Exodus 40 that lead up to this because I just gave you the synopsis. But there's this whole story after the golden calf that we talked about, right? There's this whole story where God's people, they begin to worship false images. They begin to worship a false god. And we read about how that affected Moses deeply because everything that he had worked for, believed in, lived for, was cast aside. And what did he do? He had to get back to the right audience. He had to go back to the right audience, the audience of one, the audience of the Lord. And when he did that, God gave him all of these instructions. You have chapters and verses, all of these instructions that lead up to what we just read. And God gives him very specific details. That's why you read so many times in just the short snippet that we read this morning. He did just as the Lord commanded him. Just as the Lord commanded him. Just as the Lord commanded him. Because every time that he went to encounter God, God gave him something very specific. That was not only for him, but it was for the people of God. And Moses, this time, he wanted to get it right. And so he brought every detail just as the Lord had commanded him. And so God gave him chapter upon chapter upon chapter. Go back and look at it if you're morbidly curious. On how to build this facility that was temporary. But nonetheless a facility that was beautiful in its time. And appropriate in its time. Where people could come and gather and meet with God and experience his glory, receive the fire and have direction for their lives. That's what the tabernacle was. And that's why it's important even today, as you walk into this week, to recognize the word church for you is about a time and a place where you gather together with the people of God to celebrate and remember all that God is, all that God has done, all that God is doing and that he will do in your life as this perfect, glorious God that has a plan and a purpose for you. In this passage, there are ways that we see that the people were taught to approach God. And Moses sets this place up as a gathering place for God's people in their time, in their generation. And and this week, we have those moments where we can do it as part of life getting back to normal, whatever a new normal looks like. I, I want to encourage you, because as all the signs and the efforts are for the world to get back to normal, I, I pray that you won't get back to normal in your church attendance or in your encounter with God. I pray that you'll get better. I pray that as we enter into perhaps this week of Easter, this week of Easter becomes a marker for you personally, spiritually, in your tabernacle moments with God, where your commitment to the Lord is not just to get back to normal, but it's to move ahead, to get better, to become higher in your love for him, for his church, and for his people. For his people here, for his people around you, and for his people around the world. That... A tabernacle moment wouldn't cause you to just follow a crowd that says, Hail Jesus, and then says to hell with Jesus. Because that's what happens in so many of our lives. When we don't dwell in tabernacle and gather in heart, soul, mind, and strength in a moment with God. This is how we would do it the right way. When I think about how I can prepare each week. To encounter God in church. To encounter God in my tabernacle. 
in my temporary dwelling place here on earth, but a place that is appropriate, a place that is set up for me to meet with God, to experience his glory, to receive his fire, and to receive direction for my life. How can you and I do that the right way and do it well? How can we do that starting into this week so that we're not following a crowd or following a trend, but that we genuinely want to say glorify the Lord and we always say glorify the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And yes, I'm following that man even if he goes to a cross. I'm following that man. How do we get there? Well, the key was in the text this morning when I think about the things that Moses teaches us from way back in the Old Testament. And the first thing that I can do, that you can do, that we can do each and every week to be ready to encounter God as we come to church, as we come to a tabernacle moment, is that we have to have in our lives this attitude of preparation that we want to meet with God. There has to be every single week a preparation in my life to want to meet with God. Many of us, we approach church, and I understand this, and I have great understanding of this. We approach church as consumers. We approach church as spectators. Or we approach church as a place that we want to exercise control in some capacity because we're good at our jobs or we believe we're good at this and therefore the church is my outlet to exercise control in some capacity over someone else to do this and the church is the place where they should do what I want. So we treat the tabernacle, we treat the church just like we treat everything else in our life. We don't approach it with holiness or with the desire to be lit on the inside by the fire of God, or to stop in a moment and be surrounded by His glory, or to receive much less direction that is not a suggestion, but a commandment, just as Moses received from the Lord and did everything the Lord told him to do. The power of making church something fresh and impactful in your life moving forward is to approach your tabernacle every week, your moment every week, to dwell with God, to gather with God's people with preparation. What you see in Exodus chapter 40, but you only get a glimpse, if you really want to see the power of preparation, go back and look through the chapters beforehand. Because what you'll actually see in all the chapters leading up to what we read is there were some very deliberate, professional, intentional Efforts by some very godly people who were skilled to build a place and to develop a way in which God's people and those who were around them could come to a place to meet with the God of the universe. It wasn't just thrown together. I mean, it's funny because many times that's perhaps how we approach church or even how we think church is approached by those who serve the church as a part of their living and lifestyle. Oh, well, it's just thrown together, right? <laughs> the music just happens, or the technology just happens, or the bills just get paid, or the message, man, he's shooting from the hip type of thing. And that's kind of how we think sometimes it's meant to be when we come to church. But that's not what a tabernacle is like. A tabernacle is a gathering 
of all of these people who bring their absolute best in preparation to honor God so that they can receive his fire within, experience his glory, direction for life, and continue to move forward on the journey wherever he leads. And for you and I to do that well, we have to be prepared. Preparation. Detailed preparation each week to do that. How would you and I do that? Well, um, I can tell you this. The more in our lives that we will fill our hearts, minds, souls, and strength with only the things of the world throughout six days, it makes that Sabbath day a little more cloudy. I have found myself, and I know that you have as well, in church moments and Sunday moments, trying to process so much information and data from a week that it clouds my mind, it clouds my heart, it clouds my soul, and perhaps my best strengths and efforts from the week have been given to everything else, so I'm not really prepared to meet with God. Have you ever felt that? Don't answer the question. Or if you're going to answer it, answer it honestly in your heart. Because that's what happens in our lives when we've been given a tabernacle moment to encounter the God of heaven that loves us dearly and that is powerful, that he's not weak and he's not soft, but he's strong and he's mighty and he is an avenger on behalf of those who need him. He is a warrior on behalf of those who are weak. He is the answer for those who receive no answer from the world, but yet he will answer and he will work. He is that God. And if I want to experience him and his word and his direction and his power for my life each and every week in a moment that we would call church, then it requires preparation. So how can I prepare? I, I can prepare by maybe doing a little different selection of how much of the world's direction, noise, music, opinion, whatever it is that I let flood my life all week long. And maybe begin to take a fragment, a portion of my life and turn it more toward things that would build my spirit instead of tear them down. Maybe it's beginning in your life to be able to add a moment of prayer that says, God, out of what I've learned in church on Sunday, now will you help me apply that in my life this week? God, will you show me each day and asking him at the beginning of each day or in a moment of intentionality each day, God, would you speak to me about what I learned in church this week so that until the point that I gather again with your people this upcoming week, God, help me to practice that during my life, during my work, during the things that I do. Perhaps it's a moment of intentional prayer. It's always diving into his word. It's always finding a way to be able to say, one of the ways that I can prepare my heart to meet with God this week is being reminded of what he said in his word. What he says about you as his child, about his people gathering together, about his direction for our lives. One of the ways that I can take intentional and deliberate preparation to meet with God is to do some of those things. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's writing down what God is saying to you, the direction that he's giving you for your life. Or maybe it's going to meet with a minister to say, I don't know what the direction for my life is. Will you pray with me? Or do you have any words of encouragement from God's word to help me? Or maybe, just maybe, it's a commitment to saying, you know, I'm not going to treat church as just a piece of my life. Showing up when it's convenient or when I feel like it. No, I'm going to make church a part of my commitment in my life. And I'm going to give my time, my talents, and my treasures 
to that place and the time where God's people gather to receive his direction, his fire, and his glory. It's preparation. You wouldn't go after any other skill in your life and expect success if you didn't prepare for it. You wouldn't go after a job opportunity if you weren't ready for it. You wouldn't expect to win a championship if you didn't train for it. You wouldn't expect to receive that bonus and that promotion if you had not produced and earned it. Why in the world would we treat God's church any different, especially, especially as people who are called by his name? As people who on a Sunday prior to an Easter week would say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Well, then glory to God, prepare to meet with him every week. These detail, intimate preparations that were made to build the tabernacle were for God's people to be able to meet with God. And for us in our modern day, it is a moment to prepare because the details of preparation matter for success in our meeting with God and encountering him in worship. Secondly, though, not only are there all these details that happen because people prepared to meet with God, there was also this second thing, and we need this to help our gathering moments be special. We need this. It's not just preparing and then showing up. There's also this anticipation that must occur. An anticipation that God will be present. We need in our lives. How can you, how can I, how can we make every gathering meaningful and special when we come to our tabernacle dwelling moments, to our church moments each and every week? How can we do it? We have to anticipate that God is going to show up. All of the details that we read about, all of the details that lead up to this encounter moment that was given for God's people, they were given for a reason. And it wasn't just so that people could do church. I think that's why in America um, we have become church anemic. <laughs> or either um, we think church is a buffet. Let's just choose the best church that makes us feel good because we like this or we like that or we don't like this or we don't like that. Again, consumer mentality instead of a tabernacle mentality, a commitment mentality, a, a moment where we will meet with God and we understand that that dwelling is where we call home because that's the place where I experience the presence of God. I hear the word of God and I'm given the direction of God to continue to move forward throughout my life wherever he may lead. That's something that happens when we anticipate that when we have prepared and we show up, God is going to be present. What happened in the tabernacle? You read all of these preparations in this person that these people did just as the Lord had commanded. And once they had done just as the Lord had commanded, what happened? And the glory of God, it lowered the cloud of God, the God, God's presence, the fire of God, the flame of God, it lowered on the tabernacle. And it filled the place so much after they had built it, after they had committed to it, after they had done things the right way finally. And the glory of God rested there in such a way that even Moses couldn't even go in. Even Moses couldn't enter. And Moses was the representative of God's people at that point in time because that's the way it was then. A little different today, and you'll see why in just a moment. 
But for that season of time, Moses set it up, and even he couldn't go in. Why? Because the glory of God, the presence of God, the filling of God was so thick that the people couldn't even move. When's the last time you desired that when you came to church? Because a crowd would go, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest on a Sunday. And by Friday, that crowd's like crucified. And I don't want to be a part of that crowd. Do you? I don't. I want to be a part of a group of people that in the midst of shutdowns and pandemics and personal issues that are taught, that learn through the details of preparation to anticipate that their God is just going to come through. That their God is going to lead them forward. That their God is not going to let them go back to captivity and bondage and being beaten down and being abused. But their God is going to move them forward to freedom and life and victory. Because that's what it means when you encounter him, when you worship him, when you prepare to meet with him. That way you can anticipate victory. I've never seen a team victorious when they go into a game and they anticipate that they're going to lose. But what I love about sports or any other overcoming moment in life is when someone actually anticipates that they can do something, then they have set the stage that they will do something. Now, when you anticipate coming to church with a heart that is prepared to worship him, and you anticipate that the glory of God is going to be felt. That the fire of God within you is going to be lit. That the direction of God is going to be given so that you can move forward in life by his leadership at any point. When you anticipate that, guess what happens when you come to church? You're no longer thinking about, mm, I like this song or that song. He glitched when he said this word. Uh, he didn't say it right. The English was wrong. Oh, uh, what about this person sitting beside me? They breathed on me, so I'm going to get COVID. You're not thinking about things like that anymore. You're turning your attention and your affection toward the maker. And you're anticipating that he's going to meet with you in the tabernacle of your soul and your heart. Anticipation. Anticipating that God will be present, that the glory of God will show up. That's how your church experience, whether in the room or online, becomes deeply meaningful. Because you're anticipating God to speak to you. And quite frankly, when we lose our preparation and we lose our anticipation, then we begin to move from the front row of our faith in church to the middle, to the back. And I've seen it over years right out the door. And by the way, what do we do? We go looking for the next crowd, the next frenzy, the next emotional moment, the next feeling. And we've lost the substance of the glory of God surrounding us. The fire of God filling us in a tabernacle moment where we receive his direction for our life. We lose that. Moving forward as we reopen the world, I don't want you to lose that. And I think this week is a great week to remember it. Why? Why preach about a tabernacle from Exodus in encountering God on the Sunday prior to Easter? Why talk about the details of pillars and poles and curtains and, and vases and, and utility rooms and all of this stuff? Why talk about all that 
on the Sunday of Easter? Well, here's really what the tabernacle teaches us. And this is what church should teach us. And this is what will set the stage for the rest of your worship experiences and encounters with God this week. You see, the third thing, if I really want to meet with the Lord, God's people gather together at a time and a place that's designed intentionally for me to encounter him, then part of the preparation that really makes it meaningful is the focus on sacrifice over myself. What really makes your gathering moment with God's people, your tabernacle moment with God's people, one of those moments where you can experience and anticipate the glory of God to fill your heart, the direction of God to give you life, what makes that possible is the focus on sacrifice over self. And when you begin to go to a place that is set out, a time and a place to focus on sacrifice over self, you have set the stage to receive God's direction, God's word, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's life for you. You have been set to receive all of the goodness that God has for you when you focus on sacrifice over self. We usually miss it because we enter church with self on the brain instead of sacrifice on the brain. But let me show you what happened here. Number one. For the tabernacle to be built that we read about. And there are chapters upon chapters upon chapters. Number one, God's people had to sacrifice to build it. All of the treasures that they brought out of Egypt. All of the excess that they had perhaps from their jobs and the things that they were doing. All of that they had to give a portion of it to do something significant to create a place where they would meet with God. They had to sacrifice but that really wasn't the big deal. Oh, yeah, it was a big deal. They gave gold and silver and rubies and all of these beautiful pieces of wood. And they designed all of this. Yes, some very skilled, artistic, deliberately committed and professional people built this place and put it together for God's people to meet. Yeah, it was a sacrifice. But that was this sacrifice. It painted a picture for what was to come and what you and I will experience this week. For example, when I look at the bread on the table. The bread on the table, why, why was there bread on the table in the tabernacle, the dwelling of God? Well, John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Exodus chapter 40. The bread on the table. Why water in a basin? In a place for people to wash before they entered into a basin. John chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus meeting with an unbelieving woman at that time says, Whoever drinks of the water that I give them, they will never thirst. For the water that I give indeed will become inside of them living water that springs up to eternal life. Where'd that come from? Exodus chapter 40, the water in the tabernacle. What about lampstands. Obviously there was light that was needed on lampstands to illuminate 
what was going on so that the people could see the sacrifices and that the worship could occur. But it was more than that. Why the fire that filled the tabernacle? Jesus said in 8, John 8, chapter 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness because they will have the light of life. So the flames that filled the tabernacle then are the same flames that fill your life today to guide you then. What about a veil? A veil that was intended, by the way, to keep the ark of God, the holy of holies, where God's presence would dwell the most, separate from everyone else who would enter. What about a veil? Well, you go into the Gospels and you see that at the moment that Jesus gave his life, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And therefore, there was no longer any separation for any individual of any background or any culture from God should they want to come into his presence through Jesus, who, by the way, is the last and the final piece that was present in the tabernacle, the place where you would meet with God. You see, the one piece that sat outside that everybody got to see in the tabernacle was the golden altar. The altar. Why an altar? An altar was all about sacrifice. It's why when I come to church, I want to think about sacrifice over self. I want to prepare my heart and anticipate to meet with God. And I don't want to come selfishly. I want to come sacrificially. Why? Because there's always an altar. And what went on the altar, it's very clear. When you go through all of the leading up passages to what we read today at Exodus, there was a sacrifice that was given on the altar. But what was the sacrifice? A lamb. An unblemished lamb. A lamb of perfection. A lamb with no spot. A lamb with no default. A lamb. And that lamb was brought specifically, by the way, at a Passover. In a season where that lamb was brought representative for God's people as they gathered at a time and a place. And they gathered there to remember that this sacrifice was for their atonement. Their what? Their atonement. Meaning that all of their sins would be washed away and covered by the blood of the Lamb. And that's why in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming, he says to all those who are around, Behold, God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, it all began in a tabernacle. The encounter that you and I are supposed to have today, it began way back with the children of God in the book of Exodus. It's a journey that we've walked through together. And it comes to a time and a place where God's people were created to intentionally and deliberately encounter him together. To spend that time together to meet with God. To meet with God to experience his forgiveness, his mercy. To experience and feel his presence and know that he is glorious. 
to have the light of God fill their lives so that they would have direction, so that when he led them, they would follow just as he commanded. And all of that is a glimpse from the Old Testament of what you have before you this week. So don't be a part of a crowd that's just held Jesus and then crucified. I think as we walk into a new season and chapter of life, I want to be a part of a crowd that dwells with a tabernacle of people, a group of people that really understands we have been prepared, we anticipate, and we understand the power of sacrifice to meet with our God. We understand what it means for the light of the world to fill our lives, for Jesus to satisfy the thirst that we have in this world, to be the bread that sustains us, to be the one that separates any division of people that want to meet with God, and to be the only satisfying sacrifice, the Lamb of God, to give us life. That's what it means to encounter Him. That's why we do church. That's what I hope this week sets the stage for Easter week to mean something totally different for you. Can I pray with you this morning? Father, I thank you that in your beauty, your glorious design, you have given hints, painted portraits, written stories through the lives of people throughout all history to show us today the way to encounter you. So my prayer is that we wouldn't allow any curtain to separate us from you. That there would be no darkness to separate us from you. That our thirst and our hunger would be more toward you than for what is in this world. And that we would recognize in our lives there is only one sacrifice that saves is the Lamb of God, your Son, Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. This upcoming week allows us an opportunity to gather in multiple ways. And here at Calvary, we have designed that intentionally and deliberately to have moments throughout this week to allow your Easter week to be a moment that you gather, that you focus, and that you grow in your relationship with so I have a video I want you to see that will prepare you for all that's upcoming this week as you look forward to encounter God in your life this Easter. I'm Pastor Stephen, and this is Pastor Noah, and as you can tell, we're excited that Easter is almost here. We wanted to take a quick moment this morning and tell you about some of the things that we have coming up this week as we press towards Easter. We have some powerful worship experiences planned for you and your family this week. Starting on Wednesday night, our Easter night of worship online at 7 is going to be awesome. Followed by Friday, a Good Friday service at 7. It's on campus and online, and we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. Then to cap it off, we have Easter Sunday on campus and online at 10 a.m. where we have a powerful moment of worship that you and your family will not want to miss. Now, don't worry, because during all of these on-campus worship moments... Calvary Kids will be up and running. Your kids do not want to miss out on some of the incredible 
Easter activities that we have planned for them during this coming week. And Calvary students also have awesome events this week. Actually, tonight at 6 o'clock, we have an Easter movie night that's going to be a great time for your teenager. Now, the last thing that we want to tell you about is something special and it's something brand new. This year, we are doing Easter on the go. Now, Easter on the go will take place in the Calvary Church parking lot right out back from 4 to 5.30 p.m. on Thursday afternoon. Now, what we want you to do is we want you to load your family into the car, drive through the parking lot, and we have a special gift for your family. Calvary Kids and Calvary students are partnering together to make sure that your kids have an incredible Easter at home and on the go this year. Oh, and Pastor Noah, did I mention there's going to be free snow cones? did not, but I'm very excited. So make sure you stop by Easter on the go Thursday night from 4 to 5.30 p.m. We hope that you and your family will join us and plug in this Easter as we continue to grow in our faith together. So it matters. It matters to gather. It matters to remember why. It matters to prepare your heart and to anticipate meeting with God and specifically the sacrifice that we know will happen as we remember what Jesus did for us on that Good Friday and what next Sunday means. So I'm looking forward to celebrating with you and being a part of this week in your life to increase your faith. Thank you for your continued support of what we do here. It matters because I understand that even through your giving, you're sacrificing as you give, as you continue to be faithful. And with that, we have great things that after Easter, I look forward to talking with you about because we have some opportunities that we are going to seize because our God is that kind of God. And these people, you and I, we are that kind of people. And I can't wait to continue to overcome because of who he is and who he is in you. And so, this week, may you encounter God in a tabernacle dwelling moment. Experience his glory. Feel the light of God ignite your heart. May you receive from him direction for your life. And may you follow throughout all that he speaks to you this upcoming week. And I can't wait to celebrate Easter with you. God bless you. And good day.